The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. This is Stephanie Hansen, and you are listening to the Makers of Minnesota podcast, where we talk to cool people doing cool things, and I'm really excited today. I'm always excited when I get to talk to podcast people, but there's just certain things that get you excited, like donuts get you excited, and balloons get you excited, and parties, and confetti, and I'm here today, and this is her real name. It's Kylie Leonetti, and her business, and she has more than one, because of course, she's a serial entrepreneur, like most of you. She has Girl Creative, she has Leonetti Confetti, and she has Kylie and Christian Creative. And I just can't wait to talk to you. Welcome to the studio. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So, okay, I have lots of questions for you. First of all, you have three businesses. Yep. Girl, how would you describe Girl Creative? I feel like Girl Creative is the one I do for fun. So I think running a business can be really all-consuming, and it can be hard to focus on things that are a part of us, like making friends and maintaining friendships. And so Girl Creative really came out of a place of me not having those creative friends um, that understood what I was going through as an entrepreneur, being up late at night, working all the time, and loving it, not wanting to change my life. I wanted some friends around me that could rally around that and not make me feel like some kind of deranged workaholic. So Girl Creative really is the side hobby where I make friends and also just connect creative women. I think there's too much competition and there could be a lot more collaboration. Okay, that's cool. I need to be your friend. Just know that right away. I was, um, it's actually funny before I got here to this podcast, we're in the studio today, obviously I was at a coffee shop and I was working on something and I work on a lot of freelance projects and sometimes I just don't feel like kicking myself in the ass every day. You know what I mean? It's like, you're just, the hustle is completely on. It's was the holiday. I'm sort of just like getting back into it. I don't have coworkers to be like shielding me from the harsh reality of, oh, I got a cold call. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, I got to do that. I got to write that proposal. Yep. I was like, it is hard sometimes to be a freelancer. Well, and I think it's isolating. We go into this thinking that we'll create the lives that we want and they, they will come. But that life has to involve other things than just work. And so yeah. for me, I fall into the trap of where everything I'm doing is about work. And it's like I have a hard time even having an identity outside of that. So Girl Creative reminds me that... Other people have that same issue, and we need to kind of, like, remind each other to go grab a drink or yeah. to go hang out on a patio in the summertime in Minnesota, those precious four months that we have sunshine here. Right. <laughs> to um, get out of your house. And also, to your point of pushing each other, I've seen so much personal growth in my own life by starting this group. I didn't realize how much I needed those friends around me just to have that push, yeah. but also to see women who come, and they come with this inkling of an idea, this just kind of, like, whisper and a year after coming to Girl Creative, they have the website launched and they're selling product or they've totally brought that idea into fruition into the world. And they've said, I've had about five people in the last year tell me that their Etsy shop or their e-commerce site is a direct result of the support that they got at Girl Creative. Oh, that's so cool. It's awesome. It's just women empowering women. And that's kind of my jam. Okay. All right. So we have Girl Creative. Then uh, we have Kylie and Christian Creative. Is that different? I'm just really bad with names. So <laughs> I, I started a production company five years ago with my husband. We had worked together and separately in the film and TV world for a while, and we both just really admired each other's work ethic, which is super nerdy. But that's like if you work with a bunch of people who are freelancers, you're going to develop a certain style of person that you like to work with. Yeah. And consistency and equality are some of my core values. And he just embodied those. He was freelancing, working for other people. We were young. We got married. And I just realized that there was kind of no one out there like Christian in terms of his cinematography and his directing and his editing. So it seemed natural to start a company together. I will say a lot of people told us that was a really stupid idea. Like if you're married and you start a company together, like what's what's the bottom line? What's the most important um, iron in the fire? I think they're equal. Like they're both very, very important to us. And I think you one are talking keeps... to a lady that had a business with her husband yes. and it was very high highs and very low lows. Yes. And when they're going well, I mean, it's there's kind of nothing more euphoric than having a partner who's also your business partner because you experience those highs and lows together yeah. um, in a way that they, I don't think people can relate to you in the same way if they're not in it with you. So I think it's, it's a really good thing. 
Um, most of the time. <laughs> most of the most time. Of the time. Um, okay. And then the third business, and this is the one that I first came across you, a woman that I know named Chris Olson. She writes yep. about uh, strong women doing cool things, and she wrote an article about you, and I get her newsletter, and I read about you. And this is uh, Leonetti Confetti. So funny that your name rhymes because you've got all this coolness already built in. <laughs> you have built a company making confetti. Yes. And more than that, which that's just cool enough because like confetti and donuts, like I said, you also um, were able to tie this business into Wayside Recovery, which is a w- recovery center for addiction that you had yourself gone to. I didn't go to Wayside. You went to a different one. I didn't go to treatment. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. Okay, so I will. I'd love to because for me, my story was really, I feel like I was kind of a bystander to addiction in a lot of situations, whereas um, my, I had, I always had something, I don't know if it's like a paranoia or something inside of me um, that kept me from becoming fully consumed with addiction. However, my brother, uh, he definitely has done several stints in treatment over now he overdosed three years ago so I'd say my closest relationship with addiction is him my personal story I use drugs I mean recreationally in college and sure all of that I had a very very benevolent woman who I worked with at P.F. Chang's uh one day reach Did out you to work me. at P.F. Chang's <laughs> I, I worked in the it. restaurant business too I think that's like the best people have worked in restaurants and it teaches you a hustle that yeah. you don't learn anywhere else and the multitask mm-hmm. like you've got six tables going yep. and it's just nonstop. And you don't want to let anyone down. So, okay, so I was working in the restaurant industry, and I was, like, spinning a bunch of plates. I had a ton of credits that semester, and I had a really nice woman from Georgia. Uh, she also worked with me, and she came up to me one time in the middle of our shift, and she just slid me a napkin. She was like, Sugar, I don't know much about you, but I think you could use some help. And it was the number for Narcotics Anonymous. And I thought I was, I really thought I had all of my, can I swear a little? Like all oh, my you shit can swear together. You know, I thought podcast. I had all yeah. of my shit together. I thought everyone knew that I could handle it all. I could work 36 hours a week and then have a full course load at school too. And um, I didn't know everyone knew I was using Coke. And they did. They definitely did. And so um, I went to one meeting and I walked in and I saw the support that people who are overcoming their addiction, that they experience when they go to Narcotics Anonymous. And I got to see that. Um, I was also 19. I was petrified. I walked in and I saw things that as a 19-year-old who grew up in the suburbs, I just really didn't, um, <clears throat> I, I didn't, I hadn't ever seen that up close in my life. I would see it much worse uh, as I grew up. But at that point in time, that was honestly kind of enough to scare the living shit out of me. And yeah. so I really, I I didn't go much further into drugs. Um, right around that time, I did lose a very close friend of mine. He committed suicide, but he also he struggled with addiction his entire I'm on this earth. Sure. Um, shortly after that, my aunt passed away from what her doctors said was just a life of drinking. That was all they could describe it as. And so that was all she knew. And about four years after that, my brother overdosed on heroin and ended up in the hospital for the better part of a week in a coma. And so all of these experiences kind of layered um, just compassion for addiction in yeah. my life and just this I couldn't really understand when people would talk about someone who was addicted as if it was their choice because I had seen so closely how it wasn't how it really is a disease and I got to see how my brother struggled after he came out of treatment um, to find a job and to find work that provided not only sustainable income but also value um, yep. because a lot of people aren't willing to break through the stigma and risk working with an addict and, and a lot of time there's burn bridges involved in things like that. So I, all of these things kind of just percolated inside of me. Um, but I've been making confetti for about 10 years. So I, I used to be a child and family photographer. I do a lot more product and portraiture now. But back in the day, I used to shoot kids, puppies, everything. And so to set my packaging apart, I'd sprinkle some confetti that I would just make at home yep. into packaging um, in the mail. A mentor pointed out two years ago that my last name rhymes with confetti. So I actually didn't even realize that I had a business <laughs> name that I was just sitting on all this time. Um, he said, you know, if you, you want to make confetti a thing, you can make it a thing. It's a very viable business name. It rhymes. It's got a great ring to it. Um, but until I put the pieces together that it could be something that was a bridge to help people, I didn't want to do it. I just, I thought I'm busy with Girl Creative. I love it. Um, I'm busy with Kylie and Christian Creative. Yep. I'm passionate about it. I have two businesses. Why right. do I need a third? I don't need a third. Um, But I have two brothers. The one who struggled with addiction 
my younger brother has also watched that happen. And so uh, last summer he was between jobs and he told me, you know, Kylie, I'm not really great at cutting confetti. I'm not very crafty, but man, people who are between jobs could really, could really use this opportunity to work with you if you had any opportunity like that. And I thought about it and I thought about it and I thought about it. And it was like one day the idea came to me, like, what about people in treatment? Yeah. Because they're not working. They often, when they get out of treatment, have, you know, the same problems they experienced before going into treatment. Only now they have a new mindset, but they still need some income. And support. And support. And just also the cathartic nature of crafting. There's something really magical about sitting there with a pile of confetti. And I watch I watch TV when I make confetti, so it's not like this holy experience every yeah. time. But there is something kind of nice about checking out and being able to just make confetti. Um, I thought also about women specifically in treatment a lot of the time have kids with them, especially when we're talking about Wayside. Yeah, They treat women and kids. And so these are moms. Moms have a really hard time getting to work and having childcare and all of these things. So the business model just kind of formed under all of these ideas of like, how can we support people in treatment? How can we make accessible employment opportunities a reality for people who have kids at home? And um, how can we just break through the stigma so that more employers realize they can build their business models around people on the outside and bring them in. Right. I I just, your story just touches me so much because I have a sister that, um, well, basically it sounds like maybe your family like, might be like mine. A lot of times uh, addiction runs in families. Maybe you have a parent that's an addict or um, their parents, but it tends to be cyclical and to run down. And you swear you're not going to end up like your parents yep. or your family member. And then all of a sudden you find yourself exhibiting these same behaviors. I have a sister that was killed in a car crash by a drunk driver. My mom's recovered. All of her siblings are in recovery. <clears throat> um, I had a sister that after my sister was killed, she just never, she just started using. She was in ninth grade and just alcoholism, alcoholism, alcoholism. And has been to treatment, I think, like, gosh, five or six times. And in the between time, had a daughter, and she would waitress because that was such a good way for her to get back into the workforce quickly. Because if she was having a flame out, it was usually about, I don't know, anywhere from four to eight weeks, where then she would just stop going to work. She'd be sick all the time. And then she would go to treatment, and it's 28 days. And then they're like, okay. And she wasn't ever comfortable going to um, a halfway house because she had a daughter. So she felt like I've already been gone for a month. I got to get back to my kid. I got to get back to my life. And for a long period of time, you know, she could keep some sobriety for a while and then something troubling would happen or she'd get underwater with her bills. And she would think like a lot of addicts do. You have that devil on your shoulder. That's like everyone else can drink. Why can't you like, Oh, someone else can start a line of Coke and they're fine. You'll be fine too. And, and I knew just, I wasn't. That's the thing is I'm a chicken. So I knew I'm like, if I keep going down this path, I am going to end up hooked on this stuff. Because, you're lucky. Yes. Because honestly, not everyone has that clarity to look ahead and see themselves in five years and say, okay, if I keep this partying up, I'm not going to be happy with who I become. That's yeah. not going to be what I want. And you get socially and emotionally retarded. You stop growing in that same place that you started. So for my sister, who is now 55... And is has been clean for the longest time that she has been able to, I think she's maybe even coming up on two years. Her daughter is now um, a social worker herself. She's graduated from college. Amazing. You know, it, it's been a good story, but I've watched her struggle all the way along. And, you know, we talk, Stephanie and I, my radio partner on Weekly Dish, we both are in the restaurant business too. So we see a lot of addiction in that arena. Um. It's really remarkable to me that you took the chance on this Wayside Recovery Program as a way to create opportunity and manufacturing for this confetti business. I just love that story. Well, and it's like it stems from a little bit of a selfish place. Like I'm sure. not about to start another company without help. But it also is like all of these companies I'm friends with because of Girl Creative, so many small businesses, they're all looking for ways to give back. They're looking for ways to include a nonprofit sure. or a percentage or something to give. And for me, it just seemed like, all right, well, let's cut the middleman and instead of giving a percentage, let's give opportunity. And that would be something a lot longer lasting. And I, I just, I do a lot of, this is just too much information, but I do a lot of staring out the window. Like I just gap out a lot. And I would just like think about all the women that I have working for me right now. and like, how many project managers or marketing directors or communications experts are we sitting on right now who just have never had an opportunity to think of themselves as such, to reutilize that degree. I have one girl who cuts the best confetti and she 
is a marketing director and she had a firm and she relapsed and she yep. lost everything. And that line, I'm friends with um, one of the most amazing people on the planet is Nora McInerney. And so I'm just going to quote something that she says a lot. The line between okay and OF is very, really very thin. thin. Yeah. And so like, I actually listened to Nora's podcast. I love her. And she, you know, she's helped me uh, gain empathy for other people ever since the day I met her. But we even talk about how people closest to addiction are often the ones the most pissed off about it. And yeah. So for me, I'm also just lucky that that line, I didn't fall on the other side of the line of instead of sympathy, having some sort of bitterness. And obviously, when you grow up around addiction, you're going to have some some baggage and some things yeah, like that. It is hard because you like in my in our case, and I'll just speak freely about my sister, the part that's been hardest now you know, there's so much baggage about like, oh, my sister's a drunk. My sister did this at this wedding. And she, you know, there's all of the antics that we could talk about for hours. And then she gets clean and she doesn't want to talk about that anymore. She wants to talk about piecing her life together. But as her sister, you're still dealing with the baggage and the shame and the feelings of all those wrecked holidays, all the wrecked time. And so... It's like you want to, you're so excited for her, you want to embrace her, but you're terrified that it's just temporary, that it's not going to last. And for the addict, it's really hard for them to ever get out of the hole. Yes. And the shame that they carry and the inability for them to get on with their lives sometimes is really hard with their family because you're just so mad. Always. You've just been yep. crapped on so many times. You've bailed them out so many times. So what I love about... When I see my sister at her best, it is when she is engaged in something she cares about. It's usually work. We tend to be workaholics in our family. And she just feels like she's doing something that's important. She's socializing. She's meeting people. So what you're doing while it's, you know, you're not curing cancer, you are. Because it is a disease and it is giving people an opportunity to have some pride, to have a step back into what the world looks like. You know, many of the addicts that I know, they lost everything, and it takes so long to rebuild that. And it is only by, A, the grace of whatever you believe in, and B, people believing in you. Exactly. We had a business, and we had a woman who was brilliant, but she had a really sorted past, and we do a drug test, and we have, you know, we were a small business, and... um she just came to us and said, well, I'm, you know, I'll pass the drug test, but I have this uh, federal offense on my record. I was a drug addict. I dealt drugs. I did. She just kind of laid it all out there. And that was the interview, right? It was like our third interview. Giving you all kinds of reasons, all kinds of outs. And and yep. she like leaves the interview. And so my husband, my business partner and I, we take a vote. And Having been down the road with an addict and having a lifestyle of addicts, people that are addicts in my life, I was like a total no. I was like, geez, uh, this is my business. I've dealt with this my whole life. I'm not doing this again. And my other two partners were like, we are. They gave her a chance. And I think about her all the time. I stayed, I've stayed in touch with her. We sold our business, but she's still doing great. Awesome. And she was just, I remember when we sold the business and she just was like so thankful and she really was appreciative that we gave her a chance. And I think about her a lot. And I try to remember that. Like, as bitter as I am about things that happened in our past and slights and grievances and everything, I just try to remember. Like, I had cancer. So I go and I get medicine and people bring me food. And when I'm down and out, they lift me up. And it's like they're helping me. Like, I had the the girl squad like nobody's business. Well, my sister never had that. And if we treated addiction like it really is, and, you know, there's a lot of controversy about this, too. But some people, you know, maybe there's like something that can help people other than just the 12 step. Maybe yes. there's other things. We're starting to explore that as a society, too, which is a whole nother podcast. But I just really I saw your story and right away I was like, OK, besides the fact that you have three businesses, which is really amazing and cool. And that's what I'm going to ask you about next. And funny on most days. Yes. Thank you for for doing what you do. So if you were to walk me through a typical day. Like, how do you divide, if you have three businesses, how do you divide your time so that one isn't like an afterthought? And that, do we call Girl Creative a business? Like, is that it a money-making venture for you? It will be. So the thing about Girl Creative is it's not something I ever want to monetize at the expense of the women who come. So what we're exploring and what we've been exploring over the last year is sponsorships from more established businesses within the group and also just bigger 
partnerships with sure. people like Aveda and things like that, that they can help us put on quality events for the women without it coming out of my pocket. Okay. Or the women who come. Um, I'll, I want to say one last thing about Please. what you said. So I have a life coach, which is something really weird that I heard about growing up and now I'm really grateful for. But life <laughs> you mentioned awesome. a mentor, a mentor earlier too. I'm a junkie for collecting people who have information, either more information than I have or in different areas. So my life coach is very centered and grounded and she's great. And she told me the greatest gift that you can give someone is to see their light and shine it back to them. And I didn't really, I get that. And I think it sounds pretty woo woo. And I like that. But I didn't ever know what that looked like until, so last summer, my brother, he's three years sober, two, two and a half, he'll be three years sober this year, I think. Um, and he actually, what he likes to do now is help his friends get sober. And so he had a friend who was homeless and he was on heroin and he stopped using. Yep. He still was homeless because your problems don't go away when you stop using. And so he texted me one night, my brother, and he said, hey, you know, I have a friend who's uh, just recently found a place to live and he can't afford it. He has nothing. He's starting from nothing. He has, you know, not even a bed. So if you have anything that you don't want anymore, do you want you know, to give it to my friend? And then I said, well, I don't really have anything, but I rent in a super nice neighborhood. I live in Linden Hills. Yep. So I thought, all right, well, I'm going to put a note up on Nextdoor and see what we can get for my brother's friend. And so I just put a note up on Nextdoor. And of course, because of the generosity of people in Minneapolis and St. Paul, people came out like crazy. They got my brother's friend a bed a mattress, side tables, lamps, and all of this stuff. And they just set it in their back alleys, like with signs on it that would say for George or for Kylie to pick up for George and things like that. And so I didn't want to just go around and pick up all this crap without my brother coming with me. So I want him to like see the generosity of people and um, see how they cared. So I picked him up and we went around together in my truck and we picked up everything that people donated. And I have just never seen my brother so alive and so full of light than when we did that. Like he was so jazzed to go around and like pick up stuff and put it in my truck and give it to George. And we furnished George's entire apartment and people gave him gift cards. And I, I will say I have some pretty bad days working with women in treatment, but I always try to remember my brother that day, the light that was in his eyes and the way he felt. And to think of those women two or three years out from their, their situation in their recovery further along, like he is. And to think, okay, they have that inside of them too. They're just not experiencing it right now. So how can we pull that out of so I'm yeah. always trying to find that light in people and just shine it back to them because it's there. I can see it. And that's a gift. So and even when you're just a regular person, you have your bad days, you know, but when you're in recovery, everything is sort of magnified Absolutely. or diluted. Yep. It's just not the same sphere. Yes. It's either worse or just nothing. Yes. Just nothingness. I can't. Anyway. So, OK, that was the last thing I wanted to say, just because it's something that I think everybody has the ability to do, too. We can shine each other's light. But um, I, it's in, I think that's why I do this podcast, you know, oh, yeah. like sometimes I I try to pick stories that just tickle me. But sometimes I just am like, hmm, that product seems kind of cool. I'll talk to that person. And inevitably, I always get really jazzed when I'm talking to him, even if like I talked to a guy one time that made a soap molecule and it was a fascinating podcast. Like he's going to make the University of Minnesota a gajillion dollars. He's a scientist. And I was like. He was like, do you know how much, how many billions of dollars are in the soap market? I was like, no. You know, so you just, <laughs> you meet cool people doing cool things. So that's why I'm doing this podcast and simply for the love of just amplifying the light of other people's stories. Because yes. there are so many cool things happening in this town. And I listened to a few of the episodes. You had one of my other mentors, your mini, mini, Laura from Mini and Laura Waldman, yeah. Yes. She's like my unofficial mentor. I think she hates that I call her that. But she... uh <laughs> Would take me out to lunch. She called it consulting, but she would just like push my buttons and ask me questions right when confetti was just an inkling in my head and not a real idea. Okay. So how so, do I spend my days? Yeah. Okay. So I have gone back and forth with a bunch of different systems. And the best thing that works for me is just giving the squeakiest wheel all the oil. So, and that's not a great way to do things, but there's always going to be one of the businesses that does not get as much of my time value as the other two because the ones that have more going on just get the best of me. And that's, yep. I think the only way I can do it, I used to be a lot more diligent about dividing equal amounts of time between them. And it just was like, there would always be one that wasn't one business that wasn't having all of its needs met. And so um, I've just adjusted to where right now confetti is a very high priority focus for us. And Kylie and Christian creative is still the most lucrative one. So it gets all the attention that it needs. Yeah. Um, Girl creative is kind of the shitty stepchild right now. So I feel bad about that. But we're coming back. We're going to have an event and in December. Just cycle. Yes. And we, everyone who's in Girl Creative also, the people who've been there since day one, we're four years in. 
So a lot of them have seen this idea kind of like come from the back of my mind to the foreground and then come into the real world. So they're all like, you take all the time you need. Girl Creative is here when you get back, which is helpful. And maybe they'll find ways to help pick up the mantle and carry it for you for a little bit, too. Um, Okay, so I'm glad to hear you say that because I sort of work like that, too. And I feel like... I want to be like, okay, on this day, I'm going to do this on that day, or even splitting it up or being like a lawyer and tracking my hours. Totally. And at the end of the day, I just start at my inbox and start going down. And when I have a lighter inbox day, I get to some <laughs> of those more pressing things. Yep. And it's not strategic and it's not pretty, but the job gets done. And everyone wants a formula. They're, how did you do this? How did you do that? Someone asked me, how do you manage my four social media accounts? How did you manage all four Instagrams? I'm like very many sticky notes and they're like oh on your phone i'm like no all over my office so well it's... and do you find okay so paper do you like paper I like do. do you have a paper calendar do you manage things in yes. your in, in your uh, phone do you use like asana or do you use like google tasks i have certain clients like certain things so i do use slack for some of my clients because they have work channels that they have me a part of and then i yeah stay in there for the most part, I use a lot of sticky notes that are actual physical sticky notes and then reminders on my phone in the clock app. So in timers, I'll set, if I know more or less what my day is supposed to look like, I almost always set timers to kind of set things in motion so that I don't stay at coffee for longer than I'm supposed to or so I don't. Um, That's interesting. Yeah, I have. Uh, okay, so real talk, I was very homeschooled growing up and very fascinated with whatever was like right in front of me. So the culture of you were really homeschooled very much. So until okay. fifth grade. Yep. And then um, I was back homeschooled again in eighth grade. So I, I had most of my education was one-on-one and slow and learning by sensory activity. So I, I don't understand the culture of scrolling while you're next to someone. I don't really get that. And so it's hard for me sometimes when people do that because I'm like, okay, so we're, we're not talking anymore. So it's, it's one of the things I do is give my a hundred percent to like, face-to-face interactions, which can mean a coffee that's supposed to be 90 minutes long can go to two and a half Yeah, hours. I could see that yep. I could talk with you for a thousand hours. And I don't look at my phone because I'm like, I just, I just want to be here, which is a problem because then, you know, people are trying to get in touch with you and you're not answering. So that's, there's a balance there. I'll find it. And there's also, and this is not going to be a popular thing to say, <laughs> there are people that are givers in the world and there are people that are takers. Sure. And sometimes... You have to, I'm a giver. Like I just give and give and give and I keep giving. And I'm not aware when I'm with a taker or when a taker is taking too much from me. And it really has to be sort of oppressive before I even notice it. And by then I've put a lot of time and energy into the taker. And it's a little too late. And you're like, wait, I've kind of given you a lot. And now I feel... I'm a little, my values are a little violated right yeah, now. And yeah. And then you, you like, Hey, could you, and they're like, Oh, I'm swamped. Like, oh, okay. I see how this goes, yes. but I'm already, you know, at that point, 20 hours into them or whatever. Yep. And I don't, <laughs> I don't mind the giving, but someone said to me once, like, look, their world is full of givers and takers and you want to be spending time with equal amounts. Yes. And so there's just some people that I have to be like, okay, I'm going to give you some time, but it's going to be limited because I'm going to save some energy for myself. And I found that if I'm a little bit more, uh, what am I trying to say? not discretionary, if I'm a little bit more disciplined with that, then I am able to do a three-hour coffee when somebody truly needs it. When there's yeah. that person where you're like, wow, I could talk to you all day. This could provide value. Let's keep talking. Um, if you're not doing it with everybody, then you can do that with Right. People every once in a while. And that's my thing is like people ask all the time if they can go to coffee with me or whatever. And I'm usually pretty good about saying if I can or I can't. I just say I don't have time. Do you want a confession? Yes. I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. It's so funny. Um, Well, it's about your friend Nora. Because in the very beginning, so I was in the advertising business too. And I knew her story and I knew I didn't meet ever meet Aaron, but I knew of him when it all happened. Um, we're talking about Nora, uh, McInerney. She used to be McInerney Permort. She was a young woman that married a young man and he was diagnosed with brain cancer and over the course of three years basically died. And she took that experience and wrote a book about, uh, grieving. I think it's, what's it called? It's It's called, it's okay to laugh. Crying is is fine too. Yeah. And it was a really powerful book. Um, and started a nonprofit. She did, called yes. Still Kickin', yep. and 
she's a runner and she was in advertising and she had had all this experience with grief. And then she started doing this podcast. And I had already been in the podcast space, but I'm really fascinated just by how fast it's grown. And she seems to be doing all the right things. And so I did the, you know, Instagram like, hey, would you like to have coffee sometime? <laughs> and I, I I didn't hear her in one of her podcasts. I think she or maybe it was an article she wrote. She talked about how to say no. Yes. And I hadn't heard it yet. So she was like, oh, I would love to have coffee with everyone that wants to have coffee with me, but I'm not going to be able to, but I wish you best in your endeavors. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's a pretty nice way to dump me. <laughs> and then I listened to something or read where she talks about how to dump people. And I was like, damn, I was dumped. <laughs> and a Minnesota letdown. <laughs> yes. But I also really respected that I was dumped. Yeah. Because again, there's the givers and the takers, right? And you're trying to manage a lot going on in your world. She's obviously, she just had a fairly new baby. She's got a large family. I get it. Yeah. Um, when you are talking about uh, putting together like your business plan, did you, I want to get to the confetti piece because that's after all what this podcast is about. Did you put a business plan together? Like, did you have hard numbers? Like, this is what I need to make. This is how I'm going to fund it. We did for Kylie and Christian Creative. We did. We did not for Leonetti Confetti. We put together a simple deck of, Things that we have been doing and that deck has changed it's only six slides long so the deck has changed a lot when we collaborated with mall of america or now that we have a design firm who is doing a ton of design work for us on a free slash pro bono relationship uh or the fact that we have a free pr team right now we're updating the deck with the things that we have going on but we have no set goal of what we want to make and i'm i'm very specific about why because i did that with kylie and christian i said this is what we want to make. This is what we want to bring in. This is what we want to do. And within 18 months, that entire business plan was irrelevant because our company charted a different course. And we went hardcore into the film. And we did a documentary a year for three years in a row. And we just we really abandoned a lot of the things that we thought would make us those dollars that we had put in the business plan. Yep. And so for Confetti, if we would have made something that was more concrete, a business plan, something other than that very adaptable deck, I think it would have been a waste of time because it's already changed so much. At the beginning of this, I had no idea the demand for corporate confetti. I had no idea that our buckets of confetti would be something people are calling the accessory of the photo booth. Yep. That's like what people are looking for now. I would have thought our niche was weddings and yep. that we had a pretty good following on Instagram. That's kind of where it would have began and ended for me. And it would have taken us a lot longer to grow if that was our goal. So I, I'm leaving it open because as new ideas are introduced to us next year, we're going to be doing confetti merchandise. So not yep. just confetti. We'll be doing confetti bags, confetti mugs. I'm hoping to design That's a confetti smart. print belt. Things like that that will add value to what we're doing and also support wayside women in a completely different way because then they can use other skill sets than just making confetti. Yep. Because, okay, so totally practical question. Yeah. Who the hell wants confetti in their venue? So many people don't. Um, <laughs> I was. I mean, that seems like a real barrier for yeah. for a business like yes. this. When I saw it, I was like, oh, this is so cute. I would love to do this. In fact, I'm going to this women's event. Maybe I should bring some. And then I was like, oh, they're going to kick me out because nobody wants paper confetti. Is it like easy to clean up? Not so easy. It's easier than glitter. I'll say because it's small pieces of paper. Obviously, you're going to find them in your shoe, your hair, your bra, whatever later yeah. on. But it's, I hope your bra. It's the best. That means right? you confetti had a good bra. time. Yep, there you go. Um, <laughs> after our photo booth bucket at Mall of America, we had people texting us the next day. They're like, I found confetti in places I can't mention on the internet. I'm like, well, okay. you prude. But no, we do have a barrier there because a lot of venues also in the it's not eco. We're moving toward eco paper in the future. The colors won't be quite as bright and vibrant, but we're going to have a line of eco just for those people, especially brides who are getting married at nature venues that really do need that completely recyclable confetti where it can go back into the ground. Um, but for right now, people are reaching out once they've already checked with their venue. So I haven't really encountered any venues that have said no. You're um, banned from my <laughs> that venue. That you're not allowed to come back. I know that there are a few people in town, event planners, who have uh, reached out. And when they hear it's not biodegradable, they have not replied again. But I think that the confetti is really niche in that it's for people who know it's a big mess and it's a merry mess and they're okay with that. Yeah, a merry mess is a good way to describe right. it. And we did have quite the time cleaning up after Mall of America, but I'll say it it really does clean up. It's not glitter. Glitter's yeah. the worst. Yeah, because it stays in your bra, as it were. And on the floor and just everywhere. <laughs> it's like you think you're done and you look down and the, the floor is still kind of glistening and you're like, okay, I'm nowhere near done. But 
So people are going to be surprised when they hear about all these products that you have. So you have these buckets, you yep. have bags, you have poppers. Yes, that like for New Year's Eve yep. would be super cute. We have confetti wands, which actually people have ordered for school plays in the past where they just pop the top off and then kind of swirl it around and uh, it makes a dizzying confetti effect. Pinch packets. Pinch packets are great for brides. You can put them on the seats. We also do custom branding. So if you have a wedding hashtag or a wedding logo, you can put a sticker on it that says what you're celebrating. And yeah. we also match to any custom colors. So brides who have that perfect Pinterest board all curated, we can go through and pick the Pantone shades that would best match. Are you uh, shocked menu. that there's this much business in confetti? Yes and no. I mean, nothing really is new under the sun. Uh, but Etsy is one of those places that kind of blows my expectations. I was not at all prepared to see how much confetti is out there. So there's a ton of confetti out there. It's having a big moment. Um so, no, I'm not surprised. I guess I'm just surprised at how much confetti already exists. Yeah. And we do get a lot of questions like, can you make die-cut confetti with our logo? Or can you um, make it in this shape? And right now, no. Right now, we're just working on making the confetti in the rough chop way that the women at Wayside make it. And I like that because if you look at our Instagram, which is just Instagram.com slash Confetti, um, we have a lot of close-up shots of the confetti. And you can see each piece is totally different. So it's like the women cut it using the same methods. I give them a little PDF when they are hired that and a video that shows them how I make confetti. But legally, I can't really tell them like how they make confetti is how they make confetti. And so I just want it to look a certain way. Um, but when I get the confetti back, I'm always amazed because each woman's confetti actually is so unique and different. And you can tell the ones who are like, you know, just workhorses. They're just like in it to win it. They just cut their confetti yep. so fast. You can tell. And then you can tell the ones who got very precious with it. And crinkled it and made it in, um, you know, a different shape. So it's, I like that our confetti is not die cut or triangle or circular or, or something pre-prescribed because it's a reflection of the personality of the woman who cut it in a lot of ways. So do you, like, how did, did you decide, like, I'm going to put $10,000 into this business and if it goes great, great. <laughs> or did you just go out and I buy wish. some stuff? And I wish. Well, I have an obsession with two things. Uh, Pretty colored paper is one. And then the second thing is picking up stuff off the side of the road. So I have this organizer at my house that I found on the side of the road. And it's got 13 drawers. And so, and they're, it's huge. It's half the size of this room. But it's this. it was from somebody's garage in their work area. And they yeah, probably like, made tool. Sure. Well, I said they make tool things. Okay, they probably use tools to make things. Um, but mine's full of paper. And so I've just been over the last year and a half filling it with paper that I'll order. I have a couple of sources I like online. But also I just love a good paper sale. And so when I had the idea to hire the women in treatment, the business was kind of already built under me because of my weird obsession with paper and yeah. up stuff on the side of the road. So, no, I'm just putting my own money into it at this point. Yep. We don't do anything on credit as a rule. And so I'm just um, I tell people who are my photo clients this fall that they're actually funding my next business and then they laugh. And that's uh and there's that because which uh, are you taking you're taking photographs still too yes. so for what are you doing wedding photography oh my gosh. so weddings are one and of the which only business does that do. come under so Kylie and Christian creative we do documentary style filmmaking and also narrative things like that but we also do a lot of photography I do a ton of product photography um, some of my product photos end up on websites like can we say names sure okay, so like target.com but I'm not the one who's doing like the huge holiday catalogs. Yeah. I'll be shooting more of like the products behind the scenes and sure. things like that. So I shoot for Still Kickin', which is Nora's nonprofit. Oh, did you do her photographs? Because they're lovely. Yes. yes. So I do. And she's also one of my child and family clients. So I do still take a few child and family clients a season. Um, but the bread and butter that I bring home comes from product photography mostly. I was somewhat obsessed with her holiday card <laughs> because you can make your own. Is it? I, we have Gif a or GIF? Yes. We fight about this on my talk. And What's your answer? I think it's GIF. Okay. But I'm everybody else too. says GIF. Everyone says GIF and I think of peanut butter. Like Jiffy. Yes. I don't like it. And GIF is like, seems like it stands for something important. I don't know. Yeah. Just something totally loved, random. I loved her gift too. And I think that's the thing I like about the child and family photos I take is that they're not always those perfect, like, and no no shame to people who take those perfectly poised portraits all the time, but I like capturing kids how they are. So if I go to your and house. they're messy. Yeah. If I go to your house and, and funny. take photos and your kid gets distracted by a and sock. silly. And he's yeah. going to look away in a photo or two. That's okay. I'm going to give you those photos anyway because you're going to treasure those as well. Yeah. Um. Okay. So running for social media accounts. Sounds like hell for lots of people. Do you have tools that you like to use? Like, are you a, yeah. ho a Hootsuite person? Or I never did Hootsuite. I really like the app Wintpost because sometimes I, I just 
like anyone else, I'm like, I don't want to waste my time on Instagram or Facebook if it's not going to be valuable. So I like that app because it tells you when your highest engagement is every day. Yeah. So I can toggle between the three accounts that I use that for. And then I do have, um, I have a personal Instagram account that I use for a lot of things, but I'm not as strategic with what I post there. I don't really care. Yeah. But the businesses, um, on Kylie and Christian Creative, that's where you can find all kinds of film behind the scenes. We do a TV show called Coping Lessons right now. Um, that's like female centric therapy in the kitchen, and it's very funny. Okay, who's your partner on that? Partner on camera is Liz Welly okay. and Emily Eaton. Yeah, I've watched those. Yep. That's lessons. so funny. So we make coping lessons. We also do training films for the Science Museum. So that's a great opportunity because and they a actually, good client, right? They're our longest standing client, and they come to us with a script that they've already written and vetted with their scientific board. Because obviously, when you're writing a scientific script and the Funded by a museum, it has to be pretty sciencey, exactly, and to the word. <laughs> so they bring us the script, and then we get to bring it to life with you know actors, and we do casting calls, and yeah, have a fun, pretty, a relatively big production around that every time we do it. So we did two films with them this year, um, but yeah, that's I would say right now it's just kind of one of those games of like how is Kylie and Christian Creative making enough money to pay for this new business, and I yeah. have. One last mentor, but he laughed because he, before he knew I started Leonetti Confetti, he was congratulating us because year five of a business is when people usually like, you know, breathe a little, like, you know, yep. you relax like, a little. Oh, like, okay. I'm so successful. I've made Ooh, it five years. Got it. Got through that make or break five year territory. But he's like, of course you, year five, the year that you could like uh, breathe a little bit, you start another company. So that's, but that's a, you're a serial entrepreneur. There's no shame in that game. It just is, that's who you are. Um, do you feel like you have enough money to do like what you want to do? Like, does the money just come? Cause I never have enough money. And I think that's the thing about being an entrepreneur. And you would understand that is that you always have things that you want to do. And if the money were there, you would do them. But if that got accomplished, then surely there would be something else that you want to do. I still zero out my checking account more than I'm comfortable with, but I'm also not in a place where I, I consider myself because of where we live and because of the opportunities we've been given, like, I never consider a zeroed out make account on a Tuesday, the end of the week. You know what I mean? So yep. it's, it's never the end of the world. Cash flow is always something that's kind of tricky, especially when right now we're funneling any extra money into Leonetti Confetti. Yep. That's been something new to navigate, but I just know by the end of this, I'm going to be a master at cash flow. That's Yeah, you likely will be. That's the goal. Is the plan uh, to sell the businesses at some point, or are you just so new it's hard to even say? I, I mean, how do you sell Kylie and Christian Creative? You probably can't. I think it would be really hard to sell them and split them up. I did have someone ask me one time, like, if we paid you, and they named some huge amount of money, if we paid you this much money and you had to give over one of your businesses, which one would it be? And I would think it would be Girl Creative. I think it's the one that has, it has a big piece of my heart, but it's not the piece of my heart that I couldn't afford to give away. Right. It's the piece that someone could also take the torch and run with. Yep. Instead of being so deeply personal, I would want to have both hands involved in anything Leonetti Confetti touches or Kylie and Christian Creative. Um, obviously be my namesake. But even in the beginning of Girl Creative, we had people in New York and in the Pacific Northwest and in Reno reach out to see if they could start Girl Creative chapters where they were. And so I already know that that one, once I figure out what I'm doing with yeah, it. Yeah, maybe you'd work with a partner or find some sort of revenue share or something. And make it something that other cities could implement. Because I think one of the things we see in Girl Creative the most is transplants. It's really hard to make friends with Minnesota nice people. Yeah. We're, we're not as, what is the old, it's the old expression that Minnesotans will give you directions to anywhere but their house for dinner. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. So, I mean, I, I kind of relate to that just because it's, it's hard to make friends. And so uh, I think moving here without knowing people would be the worst. So we get a lot of transplants and I think that could be useful in other cities like Girl Creative NYC could be the place where people go to meet creative like-minded women. Doesn't it seem like too? This is this is not a well thought out thought, so I'm just going to start there. But I, how old are you, if you don't mind my asking? Thirty two. Okay, so there's a lot of women in your age group, and I'm on the other side of your age group because I just turned fifty. I remember like being in your age group, like that twenty something. You just burn with creativity, and you have all this energy, and you don't likely have kids yet. You maybe have a partner. So businesses and um, being able to create things is really top of mind. And you guys all kind of came of it through the recession, right? Yes. So you were always seeing like people having to bootstrap to make it. Yeah. And so that's sort of how you guys all act. Whereas like I grew up watching the Ronald Reagan 80s era and then the recession happened. It was like, oh, and I've been through two. But, you know, when the first recession happened, we were all still in college and there were no jobs when we got out of college. And so that's. 
it's like these cyclical creativity spurts happen with these generations of people. And so many people now are like creatives and creating covens and work groups and support networks. And I love that about your age group because we didn't really do that as 50-year-old women. But I will say, meeting a lot of women with Girl Creative, I will say the work ethic of Gen Xers is unparalleled. I believe that. It is unbelievable. I can't... Our generation has this sort of, and this is not a popular point of view, but I think we have a disease where if we can't have it in the in in right now or in the immediate future, we don't really want it. There were just some studies that were released this week about the Gen X that really their biggest issue is perfectionism. Yeah. And they want it all and they want it now and it has to be pretty and with a bow and in the perfect box. And if it's not, they just quit. Like oh. they don't know how to keep going with failure necessarily because, you know, we told the Gen Xers, they were great at everything. I have a daughter who's 20, and she's trying to figure out what she's going to be in the so world. So she's a millennial then? Because yeah. I think I'm technically a millennial. So what What would your generation be then? You're a Gen Xer. I, you? You're a Gen Xer. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. You were in the 80s era. You're a Gen Xer. Yep. Sure. Yep. Well, and so for me, I think that I admire the heck out of your generation because people don't um, know how hard things are at our age. I don't know. I'm just saying that from every coffee I go out to where the girl sitting across from me is so discouraged because her blog has been launched for like six weeks and she doesn't have anyone reaching out for affiliate links yet and things like that. And you're like, okay, it's a slow grow. Everything takes time. If it matters, if it's a good thing, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. And so I guess I just wish that maybe some of the millennials that I meet in girl creative would have that, but we do have a lot of women who come here in their forties and fifties and they're the ones who are like rocking it in business. They're the ones who I see. And, and I mean, I will say the younger ones are rocking it in business as well, but I maybe have a different perspective. Also, I have an 11 year old, so for me, sometimes like you do, I do. And so sometimes the like end all be allness of everything uh, is kind of lost on me. I'm like, end of the world. And you she's know? getting into her tween. Like she's, her, she sure is. 11 year olds are starting to feel like 16 year olds when I look at them. And she's so funny because she wants all of the things that her friends get, like the phone and all of that. Um, and then when she gets like a taste of it, when she has an iPad that has unlimited Wi-Fi and a data plan on it, she just doesn't know what to do with herself. And she's like, I don't know. Can I do this? Can I do it? She doesn't even, she asks me before she does anything online. It's crazy. Is she an only? Yeah. And there's just some of that. I have the 20 year old only who um, is just wise beyond her years. I don't even know where it came from. I look at her most of the time and feel like I hatched an alien child. A beloved alien. Who's brilliant. Yes. Like, I don't I don't even feel one, and this is a true statement, I do not feel one one-hundredth as smart as my child. And that's really weird. I felt like that this morning during homework help. I'm like, okay. Oh, I, the ooh. math. <laughs> it was math. It was, it was right angles. I had to Google things. I'm like, all right, this is how we're doing this. I'm yeah, confused. the math is just a little bit too much. Um, can I talk with you about creativity? Because you seem like you have a lot of it. Yeah. I feel like people don't spend enough time thinking creatively or Mm. just letting their brain stop churning so that creative thoughts can come in. Has your group talked about that at all? Or what do you do to spur on creativity for yourself? Okay. We have talked about this. And we did an event last month that was a panel and it was about your life at work. And it was all about the way you know, whether you have a day job or you're an entrepreneur, you have to make a conscious decision every day to approach problems and assignments with creativity. Otherwise, you know, you just are on autopilot and just everything from rote. So for me, something I really like to do, obviously mindfulness is a very buzzword right now, but there's a mindfulness exercise that I really like to do if I have to think creatively and I'm not in a mood to do so. Um, I first, I go to a window because duh, uh, I find a window wherever I am, and I first... Is there light? There's almost always light. And if there's not light, you know, if there's not light, you can go to a window where there's a street light or something like yes. that. Um, but you're right. I've never tried this exercise at night. I would have to reevaluate this now that it gets dark at 4 p.m. But uh, you first notice five things out the window. So that's usually the easiest for people. You can look out the window. You can see five things. And when you register those five things, try to d- describe them. So if you see a tree, you know, register that it is a green tree. Register that the wind is blowing the leaves. Register that the garage you see out your back window is yellow. Register whatever it is you see, five things. And then you put your hand to your heart, your right hand to your heart, and you register five things about yourself. So what the ground feels like underneath you if you're wearing shoes, what the carpet feels like if you're not, what you are experiencing, how, how you feel right now, how are you breathing, how are you taking in what's around you. 
And I, I found by looking for five things outside first, it's easier for me to look for five things inside. And so that's the same thing. Like when I have to do a feature on a woman at Girl Creative and I feel the least worthy of writing a feature on any woman, much less someone who I admire, I try to do the same. I'll go on their page and I'll try to find five things about what they do that mm-hmm. I resonate with. And then I'm able to find those five things about them specifically that I need to use to write a feature about them. And so I think finding five things and registering what they are is a great way to get back into your back into your body and back into your mind. It's a very unique way of thinking about mindfulness that's not like laying there with headspace in your ears and, mm-hmm. you know, doing a scan of your body. I don't know. I want to. <laughs> and I'm obs- I'm trying to do like a yeah. gratitude journal. I can't even do that. I'm a failure at that. Well, another thing that's a quick fix is if you're in a bind and you need to think creatively, flash your eyes left, right, left, right, left, right. So left, right, left, right, left, right. And it gets both sides of your brain working together. So a misconception is that, you know, your left brain is purely logical and your right brain is the flowers and creativity and all that. But without your left brain, your right brain can't function. And so sometimes actually I find myself like, way too gone in a thought that's like, okay, there's nothing logical about this. Left, right, left, right, left, right. Just re-engage both sides of my brain. And then I can start thinking a little clearer. It's weird. Okay. These are very practical tips that I am going to take to heart. Um, All right. So in the next year is we're just going to be doing Leonetti confetti nonstop, get in the plan. Yes and no. I, I do have a timeline on how long I will let myself pummel money into it. So I, has to have an expiration date for me. Otherwise, go on forever. So I, I know that by the end of February, I have my goals. I'd like to land a few more corporate accounts that yep. have big parties and celebrations coming up. Our big, hairy, audacious goal is to end up as the confetti suppliers for the Super Bowl. It's probably a little late in this season to land that contract, but that's what we'll be working toward is negotiating deals with the people who are in charge of making those those decisions for Super Bowl 2020. So that that would be, that's like my big, hairy goal. Like, the cannons that fire off and the winning team's colors, that's all made by us. That's, that's I'm putting it out there as like the biggest goal I've I hope, ever had. I'm glad you put it out there because I put out there once that I wanted to have a radio show and, and it worked. Yes. And I had no training, no business, no nothing. And I still have a friend that when I'm feeling down, she's like, do you remember when we were running around the river and you looked at me and you said, I am going to have a radio show. And I thought you were nuts. You know what? And then a year later you did. Man, she's a gem. Keep her around. Yeah. People like that are great because there's people who will remind me. Remember when you just thought it would be great to have this company that helps people in treatment? And I'm like, yeah, I remember that, but I don't remember when I said it. I do remember the feeling, though. So it's good to have those people around you because it can be hard to and remember. To remember it. To look yeah. back in time and remember the good. Um, so that's our big confetti contract that we're going after. For Kylie and Christian, I think that's probably where most of my 2019 focus will return to is that just because we have some really exciting film things coming up, there's on there that um, if it goes well, we'll ensure that half the year is spent making films happen for people on scales of small and scales of really large. So that's- I work on the Twin Cities Film Festival, too. So I would be very anxious to see what you have going on there. There was they do so much great work with Minnesota filmmakers. Oh, yeah. All right. So if people want confetti or they want family photos or they want more information about Girl Creative, let's give all your digits, okay. uh, your email, I guess, not your digits. That's so 1986. I loved it, though. I'm going to give my digits. So the best way to reach out to me, I still do check Instagram direct messages. I don't check Facebook messages, but I do Instagram ones. You can find me. Let's just give you Leonetti Confetti. You can go to on Instagram, Leonetti Confetti, and uh, Girl Creative is girl.creativemsp. Uh, for all things visual arts, it's Kylie and Christian Creative. So it's K-Y-L-E-E and Christian, like the religion, no affiliation, creative. Although we are. I don't know. It's just his name. <laughs> I When I saw it, I thought, oh, I wonder if it's based in Christianity. Yep, that's People will, <clears throat> sometimes they'll say, we thought your name was Kylie Ann and that you were a Christian creative company. Interesting. Okay, I'm like, all right, I, I, I can. That's your next business. Yeah. Oh, but we got to get rid of one first. Reason enough. Sell one, move on to the next one. All right. <clears throat> Sorry that I'm coughing, but it's been really delightful to spend time with you. Likewise. I am really um, thankful for what you're doing for the recovery community. I don't know that people tell you that often, but Thank you. as someone who's been touched by that in my life, I appreciate it. Also, just bringing joy and fun into life uh, of the day-to-day with the confetti. And I'm glad to know that you're doing some kind of eco-confetti coming up because I think, wow, Maybe I would use this at my cabin for an event if I knew it would just like 
Because don't they have like paper that just biodegrades just when water hits it? sinks right back into the ground. Yep. And that's yeah. the kind that we're after. It's a little more expensive, but I feel like the people who care about that aren't upset that it's a little more expensive. No, and they just would upcharge. Yeah. So yep. you just are going to charge for it. And if that's important to somebody, you have a certain amount of that that you can do. And can I just say, I've loved, I listened to a few of your episodes and I love the way you're no nonsense about the things that most small business owners are either terrified to talk about or like no one asks them. You ask about things. Like, you ask about <laughs> how much like, money did yes, you spend? Yes, and that's have the you kind maxed of stuff, out your credit cards? Yes, and that's the kind of thing that people wonder about before they start a business, and they need to hear real talk. Whether that real talk is, yes, I am at my credit limit, or I don't use any credit cards. I didn't at all. ask you this question too, and yes. I asked this a lot. Speaking of healthcare, what do you do for healthcare? Uh, I let my insurance lap this lapse this summer, so I'm actually up shit creek with healthcare right now. But we are health partners. We have health partner partners. We pay independently. So, but so it's a fortune. Was, it is a total fortune. And I let it lapse over the summer because I was gone. I take, well, I did it one year. And so I'm going to say in the future, I do it also. I take a month off and it was the best thing and the worst thing because I jumped right back into work when I got home and like completely forgot all the other stuff that I need to do. So yeah, I totally let my insurance lapse over the summer. But one of my friends who is, uh, she's a serial entrepreneur too, I'd say. She said, that that's how you know you're for real. When you one time <laughs> when you deal with the insurance crisis, when you one time let your insurance lapse. You you know you're a real G. I'm okay, like, okay. We were wrapping up, but I need to poke at this. You take a month off every year. I do. I did three weeks last year in 2017, and I told myself to do a month this year. So I took July 4th. Actually, it was like July 1st, but we officially left town July 3rd. So yeah, let's just say July 3rd through August 1st, we were off, which was awesome. How do you do that? I left. I mean, it's it would be really hard if I was in Minnesota. I would think I would still work. But we went to South Dakota. We went to Michigan, and then Michigan. Did you check emails? Um, no, I really didn't. I uh, I had a couple of things. We shot one episode of Coping Lessons right in the middle of it. Um, and so or like right when we got back. Yeah, it was right when we got back. It was August fourth. So I only checked emails to talk to them because I knew we had an episode to film coming back. But other than that, no. I just I kind of told everyone in advance what was going on. We had some really great clients this summer who were like all about that and they were super excited did you get a van and go traveling with your daughter we have a van now so next year it will be a van my daughter's dream is to travel the world in van a van life. yeah her her dream is to like me we, too yep i'm obsessed that the best and i'm a sailor so we've sailed and so somewhere we between like sailing and vans a little of both and it's the weird uh, i don't i've not said this out loud either this has been very insightful there's part of me that just wants to chuck everything and do it but I don't know who I would be because I've always been defined by being a hard worker and being a radio person and talking to people and communicating. And I just, I don't know if I just, I'm afraid of what that would feel like. So the idea of just checking out for a month and just saying, I'm done for this month. And I travel a lot. Don't get me wrong, but I'm constantly working while I travel and, and people don't difference. even know I'm traveling. Exactly. That's the difference. It's a conscious shift to say, okay, I know I could, the, the beauty of technology is you could do your work from anywhere, but I'm going to make a decision right now to let everyone in my life know I'm not, and I'm going to be off. And we did go to some places that had just truly no service, no cell phone or Wi-Fi. So yep. it was really easy. It was just, it was, um, it was coming back that was hard because it was the first time. I think next year I'll know a little bit more how to set myself up so that I don't just jump right back into work and forget all of, I mean, I forgot things for my daughter back to school that were like, you know. Yeah, buying things the night before school starts because you totally forgot because you were out of town. For and a you're month. at Walgreens with the yes, with the purple list. folders because that's all they have. Yeah, exactly. And she hates purple or whatever. But yep. you know, it's for me. It was like, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, why aren't you going to enjoy it? Why are you going to do something to reward yourself for working all those ninety hour weeks? You quit your forty hour week job to work like ninety, and that's just the beauty of it. But then you also need to enjoy the benefit of it. And so I have a few friends that are like, okay, I already booked our trip for next August because we're taking three weeks off. And I'm so proud of them because it's hard. Um, but people aren't mad. They're not, they're really not mad about it. You just no. And people don't, I mean, people can get used to you not being there in that moment. Right. Yeah. And what's interesting is you're with your husband. So that's like a whole big piece of your business. My hope for you is maybe you can have an employee at some point that can keep the home fires burning while you're doing this. But I really admire that. I I don't know when I'm going to get the courage. I don't even know if it's courage. I don't know what the word is that I would need to just Jumping. decide I'm going to do that. Because yeah. I do travel a lot. And people listening to this will be like, oh, my God, she's gone all the time. But I don't disconnect. And I don't just turn it off. And I don't. I try to do it all while I'm traveling. And then there's like hairiness about that, too, where you're standing in a you know the Colosseum in Rome 
and you're on your phone because you're trying to post something on Instagram for a social media client. Well, and the thing about it is it goes back to that creativity piece where how can we be creative if we're constantly surrounded by noise, whether we generate the noise because I'm chief of stirring the pot all over the place just to make a lot of noise. So I have a lot to do. And I love Do you know that. what that is? I think. And I don't know anything about your family, but I think that people that grew up in alcoholic families mm. get so used to, they get used to the chaos yes, and you it. have to constantly, you're living in chaos that when it, the silence comes or there isn't chaos or things are going well, you stir them up again or you start something new or you throw your hands up in the air with confetti because that's how you feel the most normal. Oh, yeah. And so when I take all of that away, it's just me, which is and it's so terrifying. terrifying. Yeah. But great, because that's only a couple of days that it's scary. Then you realize, oh, my gosh, I love whatever it is, X, Y, Z. For me, it's like I love waking up with the sun and facing the east and reading. I never knew that until I was in the Badlands with no cell phone service in the middle of a basin where there was no running water you had to bring everything in. You couldn't do fires because of how dry it was. And I discovered that week that we were there that I loved waking up every day at like 530 in the morning, which is not my norm at home. Yeah. And reading to the sun. And that's like you never would know that if you had um, social media to gap out on or a clock to tell you what time it was. You know? OK, I'm going to work on this, Kylie. You've been very you. inspirational for believing you. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew you were going to have therapy session? <laughs> All right. You've been listening to the Makers of Minnesota podcast. I forget to tell people this. Nora is so much better about it than I am. But uh, if you like this podcast, please rate it on whatever service you're listening because it helps other people find it. I was just I got an Instagram from someone uh, message just today and they said, hey, I was traveling over the Thanksgiving holiday and somehow I found your podcast and it's great. And it was really rewarding. Um, You know, you sit in a little closet and you do this and you feel alone sometimes. So it's good that People share it. If you could share it on your uh, Facebook pages or wherever you share and let people know that there's some great entrepreneurial stories here, I'd really appreciate it. Kylie, thanks for being my guest. Thank you so much.